Good morning, church. It's so good to be with you again this morning. And if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us online. We'd love to invite you to check out our website where you can learn more about us at SalemHeightsChurch.org. You'll see what we believe, what we're about, and uh, what we're actually doing uh, during this season. You can also email us at info at SalemHeightsChurch.org, and someone from the church will contact you and answer any questions you may have. It's been an exciting week here at the church as a number of people gathered uh, on Wednesday night for our fireside gathering. Almost 200 of you came and worshiped, got around God's word and prayed with each other. And it was so encouraging for me to hear from you how God has been carrying you through this season um, as we've all had to experience some sort of adjustment. And so now we're going to turn our attention back to God's word, listen to what he has for us today, and we invite you to join us now as we worship. Well, good morning. We're going to invite you to worship with us today. We're going to sing You Are My Vision. Sing with us. Presence. 
Father, we look forward to that day when we will fly away to see you face to face. When you take us home, when your son Jesus takes us home. We look forward to that time. God, until then, I pray that you'd find us faithful, trusting your word, waiting during this time when things seem so confusing, knowing that you're coming with an answer, but now you might just be telling us to wait. So I pray that you'd help us to be your hands and feet in this season because people need you. They need hope. This world is lost and dying and they need you. God, help us to be bearers of good news even this week to our neighbors, to our coworkers, whoever it is, God, that you would help have us run into. I pray that you'd help us to be um, good news to them. So we pray now that as, as we look into your word, help us to grow from it, help us to be encouraged from it, help us to be built up as a result of it. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.
Well, good morning, church. It's so good to be with you again this morning. If you have your Bibles, would you grab it, open it, turn it on, and find Proverbs chapter 30. Uh, we're going to be there as we are in part six of our series, uh, The Faithful Prayer from Fractured Lives. And Pastor Justin, uh, we're really, uh, every week has been an opportunity for us to start to kind of dig into maybe some unfamiliar parts of Scripture yeah. or places that we've read but haven't been visited in a while and we're seeing just constantly each week these prayers and this importance of talking to God um, in the midst of all different circumstances. Yeah. Uh, what's been probably a highlight for you from this series so far? Well, from the series, I think um, two things. One, one thing that's happened in the series, the study of prayer, we're looking at a variety. Sometimes when we see uh, prayer in Scripture, we're just looking for something that meets our need in the moment. So we study it devotionally. Uh, kind of hoping to fill our, our cup, but we're seeing how varied the prayers and the circumstances were that God uh, touched somebody and led them to that moment of prayer and then how he responded. So the just how scripture meets every single variegation of situation that yeah. you might be in. Yeah. But the secondary thing is we started something at the church, 1130 with the staff every single day until we have great clarity about where God would have us go as a church within our city and within our nation until we see some uh, waypoints. We've decided to pray every day rather than make it about our energy. Yeah. We're praying that the Lord would reveal his. And it's been so profound to yeah. have that prayer time with our staff every day at 1130. It keeps going longer where we're just praying right. and putting um, putting our requests before the Lord, but also the energy that comes out of that meeting is significant. Yeah, we've seen it grow and grow from yeah. our staff where more and more people are participating from our staff. and. We've really just been asking the Lord for direction. Yeah. Not to make our plans come to pass, but for him to reveal his plans to us. So important. And to move and step with him. And I think that does tie into our text for this morning, Proverbs chapter 30. Yeah. Uh, a man named, uh, we're going to call him Ager. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and he is a man here that is given credit for pinning these words. And so we're going to read Proverbs chapter 30, verses 1 through 9, and then the last two verses of the chapter, verses 32 and 33. This is the word of the Lord. The words of Agur, son of Jacob, the pronouncement, the man's oration to Ithiel, to Ithiel, to Ukul. I'm more stupid than any person, and I lack a human's ability to understand. I have not gained wisdom, and I have no knowledge of the Holy One. Who has gone up to heaven and come down? Who has gathered the wind in his hands? Who has bound up the waters in a cloak? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is the name of his son, if you know? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Don't add to his words, or he will rebuke you, and you will be proved a liar. Two things I ask of you. Don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, I might have too much and deny you, saying, Who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. And then down to verse 32. It says, If you have been foolish by exalting yourself, or if you have been scheming, Put your hand over your mouth, for the churning of milk produces butter, and the twisting of a nose draws blood, and stirring up anger produces strife. Uh, this man yeah. here uh, has, uh, <clears throat> he seems to be coming from a space of maybe the end of himself. Yeah. 
Uh, but what we were going to kind of talk about starting out this morning is kind of set it up like what is this chapter at the end of Proverbs? You know, why is it in here? What can we learn from just maybe the context to kind of set it up? Uh, but there's something significant about his name. Yeah, in fact, I think at the very beginning, there's a bunch of names that get thrown in there in um, the um, Christian Standard. Uh, yeah. It actually puts the names in there. Yeah. Uh, in the ESV, uh, it unpacks those names. It kind of shares with you what that that name is. Uh, but the w- words of Agar, son of Jacob, uh, that actually is, the, I am the compiler, the son of faithful men. Mm. So here is a guy who's compiling thoughts. He's been grabbing gems from the lives of faithful people, statements that they make, observations that they make, and he's a compiler. So I've put all these together. Some have said that this is maybe a name for Solomon, that he called himself among other people. Uh, Others have said Agar was probably somebody that was in the mix with Solomon. So he's one of the uh, wise men that Solomon had spent time with. And Solomon says, man, I just got to let you guys hear from this guy. Whether it's Solomon himself or a good friend, his name is significant. When we don't know a guy in scripture, it's always important to find out what does scripture call him? What's the the meaning behind his name? Here I am, a compiler of truth, the the son of a long line of faithful men, and I have a word for you. So that's the first sentence. Pretty significant. Right. Yeah. And then the second one, he, he kind of lists some two, like some people perhaps or a statement. Yeah. But there's significance in those names as well. Yeah. So the, the names um, remind me what... Ithiel uh, and Yukul. Yeah. Ithiel and Yukul. So uh, in the ESV, it actually gives you the vocative of that. Vocative is when you proclaim, oh, in, in front of the name. And he says here, uh, this man declares, I am weary, oh God, I'm weary, oh God, and I am worn out. So yeah. Ithiel, Ithiel, and you call, he's actually saying, I'm weary, I'm weary, I'm worn out, God, from being me. Right. And so this series has been these prayers from fractured lives. Yeah. This is a man who is coming, these words, these, na- these names helps us understand that he's really in a place of kind of, yeah. I'm at the end of myself, but here are some conclusions I've made. Yeah, that I want to express to God, and and some have called him King Agar. So yeah. uh, he's he's from a position of prominence. At the very least, he's rubbing shoulders with Solomon. Yeah. Solomon's like, hey, I brought him up here to the. Yeah. So there's a guy at the apex of society, yeah. who says, but I'm so weary, I'm so overwhelmed and done with listening to myself. Right. And yeah. So, so there's these two. I call them bookends. I, yeah. When we were talking, I said <clears throat> what really kind of helped me understand. Um, verses 7 through 9, where we're going to really focus our time because we see a yeah. prayer there where he asked God for two things. But re- to kind of help me understand that was these kind of two bookend statements, one being in verse 2, where in the CSB it says, I am more stupid than any other person, yeah. and I lack a human's ability to understand. Yeah. And so that's a pretty strong statement. Like, okay, here's the thing. I'm at the end of myself, and here's what I realized. I'm not that smart. Yeah. But then he goes down at the end of the chapter, and he, and he says this thing, if you have been foolish by exalting yourself, or if you've been scheming, put a hand over your mouth. And so I think what I'm reading here is that he's had this potential, this, this tendency that we all have to exalt ourselves. And this idea of exalting myself is to raise my opinions or my desires above everything else. And yeah. so how many times do we fall into that trap of focusing on my needs, my way, and yeah. I've been going through life, I've been doing this, I've been trying to seize the day, I've been trying to take care of my problems, I'm trying to protect things from happening that I don't want to happen, and here's what I've realized. 
I'm not very smart. Yeah, and and normally when we hear somebody yell out, I'm not that smart, you just know that's a ploy for, they're looking for somebody to give them a blessing, right? <laughs> right. To come and say, oh, you're really smart, and pat them on the right, back. Right. No, he's actually saying, as a wise man, a compiler of information, I realized I began to use that wisdom for my own blessing, my own security, my own direction, and I messed something up. We don't know what is the impetus for this statement, but he's saying, I actually, at the very end, I've done something that is foolish and self-exalting, and I've, it actually led to evil. And he's stepping back saying, Lord, don't ever let me be there again. Right. Yeah. I was reminded as I was reading this, like, what does it look like for me to exalt myself? Because I, yeah. don't, I don't necessarily think in that way. But the reality is I do lift up and make my desires yeah. the best. And I, it's easy for me to think highly of my myself yeah kind of that don't we all we do yeah but I was reminded of this song uh, by Kenny Rogers yeah called I am the greatest and it's about yeah. this little boy who uh, is going out and he's gonna he has a ball and a bat and he says I am the greatest player to ever play and so he throws the ball up and he swings and he misses and so Kenny Rogers you know he he in his these lyrics that he's singing he talks about this boy has even more determination so that's strike one he takes the ball he throws it up Again, as the greatest player, I'm going to hit this ball so far, swing and a miss, strike two. He's undeterred. He picks yeah. up that ball a third time, and he says, I'm the greatest. He throws it up, swing and a miss. Ball hits the ground, and this is the last line. It says, now it's supper time, and his mama calls. The little boy starts home with his bat and ball. Says, I am the greatest. That is the fact. But even I didn't know I could pitch like that. Yeah. He has yeah, this ability still to still to think, it. man, look how good I am. Oh. I've just... He's ignoring the fact that he said, I'm the best player to hit, and he strikes out. Yeah. But then he's like, but hey, I must be a great pitcher. That's the thing. Yep. And that's just a, you know, a humorous way of reminding ourselves. I think this is inside all of us. It is. To exalt ourselves, to scheme and try to figure out a way to get what we want. But yeah, I think we all come to this point that Agar has come to, which yeah. is, it hasn't worked. It's not working. I am not really smart. I have not gained a closer knowledge of God. Yeah, and in fact, he actually touches on something that Jesus picks up on mm. later on in uh, John chapter 3. But he says, I haven't learned wisdom, or nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One, who has ascended to heaven and come down, who has gathered the wind in his fist, who has wrapped up the waters in a garment, who has established all the ends of the earth. Well, that's an obvious description, only God. Right. God is the one. It says, but what is his name and what is his son's name, if mm -hmm. you know? Jesus in uh, John chapter 3 is having a, a statement with uh, Nicodemus. He actually quotes this passage. He says, If I have told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And, and he, he goes on to tell him, you need to believe in me. Who has ascended into heaven? Who has descended? Well, it says, Agar says, well, that's only God or his Son. Jesus says, I'm the, I'm the son. Right here. I'm God. Agar is, though, pointing out something. He says, it takes the mind of God to understand how all of the things on earth are working. And we would say the same thing right now. Mm -hmm. Only God can figure out this mess. Mm -hmm. Agar says, I used to spend time telling people what God said. Mm -hmm. I've got all this wisdom. I've got all this ability. But now he says, I found out that actually I was speaking for God. Mm -hmm. Uh, actually, God's the only one who can sort this out, and I'm not God. Yeah. So I'm going to sit back until I hear from God something clear. Yeah. And he has a prayer. Right. 
And so here it is, this wisdom literature. That's what Proverbs is. It's yep. a collection of wisdom that's yeah. been left for mankind. And now we have this chapter and where um, the issue that's been presented is, what do you do, what do you pray when you've come at the end of yourself yeah. after trying to exalt yourself or take care of yourself? And so we read this prayer. Let's look at it again, starting in verse 7. He's, he's been seeking these things, and this is where he's arrived. It says, two things I ask of you. Don't deny them to me before I die. Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me with the food I need. Otherwise, yeah. I might have too much and deny you, saying, who is the Lord? Or I might have nothing and steal, profaning the name of my God. Yeah. There's a couple of things we see in this prayer. What, what's the first one? Well, the first one is... Um, the, the the prayer that he is asking God to, I mean, first of all, just two things he would ask of God. That's pretty significant, right? But he's saying to the Lord, please don't let me go beyond what is written. Mm. You have said certain things. What I tend to do as a man is read that, and then I add some thinking to God's thinking in order to get my way. Mm. He's saying, please free me from that. Mm. There's actually uh, in 1 Corinthians uh, an, an interesting statement, and uh, we've brought this up at, from time to time when we're talking with guys who are leading at the church and just uh, about how we should be careful as leaders not to go beyond what's written. But Paul is uh, speaking here, and he's saying, um, as Ap Apollos and I are leading, we also have to be really careful not to exalt ourselves. So if we begin to say things that are stronger than what God says, what we're actually doing is we're trying to get you to look to us as a teacher. Mm. So in the Corinthian church, they would start shouting out, well, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Peter, or some people are even saying, I am of Christ. Why did you start lining up under those leaders? Paul says, because sometimes we actually do want to say something really significant so that you will look at us or make a declaration in the world so that you'll say, look at how tough they are, or look how strong they are. Yeah. But Paul says... Don't pronounce judgment before time. So in other words, don't run ahead of God and pronounce judgment. That was, uh, that's always been bad. And he says, I've applied these things, verse 6, to myself and Apollos for your benefit, that you may learn from us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you would be puffed up in favor of one against another. He actually gives them a statement there. Mm -hmm. Don't go beyond what is written so that you won't get puffed up. We tend to take God's word and then expand it. Um, in order to, to look good. And in fact, we made a little uh, list yeah. of some things. Well, I, I think we can, we can do it sometimes to justify our position on something, yeah. our behavior, um, whether it's something we've done and uh, an action we've done. And then we're like, well, it's because this is what God is saying. This is what God wants me to do. Yeah. Um, sometimes um, we probably have a hard time justifying that with a chapter and a verse. Yeah. Um, sometimes it could be to justify our actions on yeah. afterwards. So before yeah. or after we can use it in that way. Yeah. We also do it to uh, gain power. Mm -hmm. So that's what we we noted with Agar is he's saying, I actually did this to maybe maintain my position. So I say, well, God's behind me, mm -hmm. or this is what God says, so I'm going to do this thing. Uh, we speak out of turn for God when we want to comfort ourselves or if we want to avoid change. Mm. So I, I think about that. Well, no, God doesn't want me to, he wants me to have this or he wants me to do that. We, our health, wealth, and prosperity gospel folks are good at this, but we, we fall into it sure. quite often where we proclaim this is what God wants for me and, yeah. and we do that. 
uh, but also we do it to try and make sense of our world. We start saying this is what God's doing, um, but we got to be careful. Every time man has said that in Scripture, he's actually been on the wrong side of the equation. And there's a strong warning from God that says, test a prophet yep. to see if his word is true. And if yeah. he's not, I mean, he had some strict consequences for how you should respond to someone who claims to be speaking with the authority of God but isn't actually doing it. It's horrifying. Uh, Job's counselors are the picture in our mind yeah. that when we were talking about this of a, of a group of people, they actually quote Deuteronomy where God says, if you abandon me or if you sin mm -hmm. and you do this repetitively, I'll afflict your skin, mm -hmm. I'll afflict your livestock, uh, your wife will be impacted, your kids will be impacted. And they say, we're seeing this list of things, you must have sinned. Mm -hmm. And they begin to use the scripture against Job. But actually, God had declared at the beginning, this is the most righteous man in the world. In yeah. fact, the reason I've afflicted him is he's as close as you can get through religion, but I want to bring him face to face through this trial. I want him to see me without all of the other accoutrements. So he had a plan for Job that was righteous, but they said he was sinful. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, in verse 5 it says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Don't add to his words, or he will rebuke you, and you will be proved a liar. This is the conclusion he's arrived at. Yeah. And so you're right when you mentioned a few minutes ago how, I think about this, like all the requests we make to God. And the Bible says, take your requests, make them to God. Give, them, give yeah. that over to God. But after he's been striving for all these things and trying to, you know, speak yeah. and, and exalt himself, it says, He's like, Lord, I, I want to put all that aside. Anything that I've asked for that's going to help me, give yeah. me, settle me, and I'm just going to ask for two things. God, help me to be true. Help me to reflect what you are saying. Help me to not add anything to Man, your pure word. I don't want to be known as a liar. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be cheating the people around me and saying that it's your will. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a second thing we see here, and that is, please don't let circumstances destroy my faith. Yeah. What do you think he's getting at? Well, he goes from the falsehood and lying and saying, man, I don't want to speak on your behalf. But also, he says, give me neither poverty or riches. Uh, he gives us two uh, aspects of it. But basically, it, it is my circumstances can lead me to a disposition. I can, uh, because of my circumstances, begin to respond to you a couple different ways. And he says, it's not all, it's not a catch-all. People don't have the same circumstances, they don't have the same response, but it all leads to the same problem, and that is the circumstance and my response to it uh, gets in the way of my view of you. Mm -hmm. So please remove that from me. Don't let me be so shaded by my circumstances that I reject you. And the first thing that he says there is it, that my stuff, uh, if I get full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Mm -hmm. Don't give me riches, he says. My stuff can obscure my view of you. Um, we were talking about this and just talking about uh, how comfort can replace Christ. Yeah. And there are things in our world, especially in the United States, that are pretty comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I do think if we begin to look around at what is angering some folks, our creature comforts have been touched. Mm -hmm. And we're begging the Lord to give us those back. But if we really look at when our spiritual walk was strong, it wasn't because we were walking tight with the Lord. It was because we had all of these needs met. And we mistook those needs and those comforts as the peace of God. Yeah. God says, if it's peace for me, if I take that stuff away, you'll still have peace. Right. 
Yeah, he says, don't give me too much, otherwise I know me. Yeah. And I know that I'm going to say, thanks, God, and then try to just enjoy this, let this be my total yeah. focus. And that is a burden in itself because that can't last. That created thing yeah. cannot fulfill the 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 role of the creator it can't replace no. it even though we might look to it as man this is more important this is going to be more satisfying this is going to give me more peace and security the bible clearly teaches us that nothing god has created was yeah. meant to supplant him as creator but there's another burden that kind of jumps into that and that is sometimes when we gain a lot it can add a a tremendous amount of pressure on us to maintain that. Yeah. God has given me this. Maybe it's He's given me this job and this role. Well, now I got to work to make sure that, that I don't lose that because my identity or security is in the role. Or God has blessed us with children, yeah. and now I have this burden that I got to make sure that they yeah. they end up as you know good citizens, believers, successful. And I have the pressure now to try to maintain this. Yeah. And I think He's pointing to this. God, don't give me more than I need because I'm going to re then rely on that and then I'm going to start feeling the pressure to maintain it and grow it when I couldn't do that in the first place. You gave it to me. Yeah. Well, and that, I mean, that's one of the hardest things. What, what happens when God says yes and you realize, oh man, I want to give it back, right? <laughs> um, there's a story that accompanies a, a favorite tradition that people have during Christmas time is giving a white elephant gift, yeah. but a lot of folks don't know the, the story behind that tradition. Uh, but in the East, they would actually have this, they would search for a white elephant. It was a good omen from their gods. And uh, in um, the story of the king and I, they, they highlight this. Um, a white elephant has been discovered, and the king gives this white elephant actually to uh, uh, somebody who opposes him. Mm. And everyone reveres this white elephant. It's a sign that's good, but what they knew in the culture was, if I give you this white elephant, it's on you, the person who receives it, to maintain it, to take care of it, to provide access to it for all of the people, to go all around the country and make sure that everybody can interact with this good omen. And you're supposed to advertise on its behalf and all these things. Well, it would financially wreck the person who gets it. Mm. So it's this blessing. <laughs> it's a good omen, right? But the king knew if I give this to this guy, he'll never be able to oppose me again. He won't have anything left. Mm. He's going to be destroyed. So it's a gift that seems wonderful, but you want to give it back almost immediately. Um, this is what we're seeing here. He says, actually, Lord, I, I may have prayed for some things. Don't give me that stuff. That once I receive it, I'm scrambling so hard to keep everything together that I forget about you. Or I find my comfort in that, and I forget about you. Yeah. Remove that from me. Then there's a contrast here. He says yeah. both, give me neither poverty nor wealth. Yeah. And the second result there is that if I don't, if, if I don't have uh, enough, I might be tempted, led to yeah. steal, and that is not a good solution. Yeah. Yeah, my lack can cause me to lose my integrity. Mm. Uh, there have been a long list of embarrassed folks when hardship comes uh, that all of a sudden end up in a place where they steal or where they do something that uh, they're embarrassed of because they, they were hungry or their family was hungry, they were hurting, yeah. and they said, I didn't have any other recourse. And I'm embarrassed to say, this is what I, what I came to. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a famous story of a Bunyan uh, who was a, a preacher and a leader, but he was imprisoned for preaching the gospel and saying that Christ was the only way, that you didn't need uh, the pope or priests. And yeah. so they put him in uh, Newgate and he was there 
but he had a blind daughter, and he was so worried that because of the poverty that would come on his home, because he couldn't be there to provide, right. and nobody else was allowed to provide for them, he was afraid she would lose her way. So each day he, he told her a story, mm -hmm. uh, and he would have them bring her in, and she would hear this story about how God can help you through all of these different circumstances, go through despondency, uh, being alone, and still have your integrity. And the yeah. name of the story that he told her was The Pilgrim's Progress. Mm -hmm. And it became one that was, next to the Bible, the, the greatest seller up until recent history. It encouraged generations of people. But that was a dad trying to encourage a daughter, stay faithful even when it seems like there's no hope. God has not left us alone. Yeah. I think there's, in, in our struggle as human beings, I think that we can respond in a reactive way. Yeah. So it's like when we recognize there's a problem, we will do everything we can to try to reverse that and go 180 degrees the other way. Yeah. And so I can see in his life the potential for him to go, I was striving after success, I was striving after wealth and the security and the prestige that comes with that, and it left me wanting. And so yeah. I'm going to go back now, I'm going to give away everything, but that didn't give me what I thought it would give me either. And so, again, at the end of himself, after he's been trying to exalt himself and he's been trying to manufacture for his own life peace and security, he says, God, you know what I need. Yeah. And I don't want you to give me any more than what I need. Yeah. I was, I was thinking of the idea of a trust fund. You know, a trust fund is something where uh, the, the person has some wealth or has some property, has something, and, and they want to pass it on, but they want to do it in a way that's responsible, that yeah. doesn't burden that person, and doesn't also give them the opportunity to squander it. Yeah. But they put it in a trust, and they have certain kind of deadlines and, and a time frame and certain things that need to be met. Yeah. And when those are met, that will be passed on in a responsible, healthy yeah. way that will help that person and not be a burden to them. And I almost feel like he's saying, God... I don't want I don't want the responsibility. I can't handle it. I don't know what to do with it. You just continue to give me what I need. And in doing so, this will keep me dependent upon you every single day. Yeah, I think that's actually one of the keys. The other thing is it says here, um, do not deny me. I, I want you to be the one that decides how much I need or how much I like. So I can't actually gain a whole bunch of things and then say, well, this is from the Lord. If If the Lord blesses and he gives you much you say all right lord help me to know how to handle that if he uh, puts you in a place where there is a lack lord help me to know how to handle it he says lord you give me that amount but i can't grab onto a bunch of stuff and say it's god and i can't also go through an austerity movement and say i'm going to get rid of everything and say it's god i don't get to choose at all lord i'm going to be a man that acts with integrity and responds to the world around me but I want you to be the one to put it in my lap. That's a serious prayer. Yeah. You know just how much I need. And by the way, whatever you have today yeah. is God saying, this is just what you need to yeah. see me clearly in every generation. That's hard to accept. Yeah. Right now today in our, in our city, in our state, in our country, and in our yeah. world, um, we are being tested where our allegiance is going to be. Yeah. And we are being tempted by everything around us yeah. to get into a battle where we're going to exalt our needs as yeah. being greater than everybody else's needs or our way as being greater than anybody else's way. Yeah. And, and we've seen it. We look around and we're seeing people saying, I know the best way. If yeah. I had the charge, we would do it this way and everything would be fixed. No, no, no. If I had my way, if yeah. we follow me, I know the right way. Or my needs the most important, so I'm going to make sure that I have my needs at first. Yeah. 
I think this is a timely passage in the fact that yeah. our posture shouldn't be, God, help me have my way or give me what I want. God, give me what I need and help me to not say anything or do anything that's outside of what your word yeah. says. Pete, why, why do you think that we don't pray this way? Because we were reading this and we began to see this prayer and we're like, oh, that seems like a pretty, that's a Bible prayer. That's a God, Jesus Bible prayer. Like that's something that Agar could do, but... Why don't we do that? Why did God have to put it in here and say, look at this guy's prayer, it's significant? Why don't we do that? I think we're tempted to uh, use Scripture to justify our agenda rather yeah. than to let Scripture inform our agenda. So I think, different. I That's think, so different. I think yeah. it's the tendency for us to say, well, I believe in God, but I also believe in myself. Yep. And so I'm going to use scripture as a proof text to support whatever way. And, and during this season, over yeah. the last five months oh, of COVID, yes. as pastors here, we have heard the Bible used to support every position that's out there. Every one. Every single one. Even ridiculous ones. We can yeah. point to a, a verse that, see, this is what I yeah. think is happening. I know. We what we want people to hear clearly is we believe in the sufficiency of God's word. We believe that this is what God has given us and it can be trusted. Yeah. But as we've already mentioned, and what I think he is getting at in this text is we need to let God's word inform our agenda, yeah. our desires, our opinions, and we do not need to read into it, put anything into it, take it out of its context, read it, let it inform us. And if it doesn't give us a clear answer, we sit and we wait. We don't speak on his behalf. Yeah, I think the, the essence of the prayer from Agar is this. Please replace my ignorance with your direction. Yeah, absolutely. Fill that up and give me your peace. Yeah. So there was a, uh, a story that was told by a pastor that um, had gone to a conference. He was a significant pastor. Uh, so the, the church that he was going to actually had set him up to be with one of their most prominent members. So it's a beautiful home at the end of this big, long driveway out in this, uh, you know, it's, it's a, a mansion out in the middle of the woods. It's a beautiful location. They have a great lunch. Um, he tells them when he'll be back. It's going to be late that night. And so he goes to the conference. Well, he comes back to the house late at night. And uh, he's knocking on the door, and nobody answers him. So he had this wonderful reception earlier. Nobody comes to the door. It's, yeah. it's the middle of the night. And uh, then he tries to go to the windows, frustrated nobody is responding. Then he hears the dogs from the outside. He's like, oh, no, they're going to get me. So he goes <laughs> running down the driveway. He's working his way with his bag and all of his books and materials that he had with him. He falls uh, into a ditch partway down. He's covered in mud. His bag is, has been dragging. He arrives to a little store that was at the very end, the junction of the uh, where the road that takes him up to the house was. I mean, he's been so long getting there, doesn't have any money. He's just at the end of himself. Finally, you know, begs a couple of quarters, has to call somebody else to get the phone number for this guy. Right. And he gets a hold of the guy, it's like two in the morning. And he says, hey, I, I've been trying to get into the house. I'm knocking and banging. And the guy says, oh man, that must be really frustrating. I'm so sorry, he says, but don't you remember when we met for lunch, I gave you a key to the house. And he, he reaches into his pocket and he, and he realizes, I've got that key. Mm -hmm. This whole time I had the key that would have set, caused the, this entire set of circumstances not to happen. Mm -hmm. I think that this is one of these moments where we're going to be reading scripture in this season. And a lot of us are going to arrive muddy, 
overwhelmed, scrambling, frustrated, maybe even fearful from the dogs, whatever it is in that metaphor that yeah. resonates. But God is saying, I've given you the key. The entire time to gain entrance in here, you just trust me and I'll take care of the rest. The key has been in your pocket the whole time. Trust the word, yeah. trust me, and, and I'll take care of the rest. Yeah. But we gotta listen before we're in a mess of our own making. Yeah. This passage has really just challenged even me this week to think through, you know, how, how have I been praying specifically? Yeah. What have I'm asking God for? Yeah. Um, and how does it relate? How does it, how does it line up to what he is praying at this point? Yeah, in fact, we had three questions there, but you had one for me that really uh, kind of forced me to think, and that was <laughs> regarding I, that. I think it was, if I could only ask God two things, what would I ask for? Yeah. I don't think mine would have been Agar's until this list. Now I'm like, okay, God, you got to change my thinking because yeah. mine were a lot more selfish. But yeah, if you only had, that's one of the first questions. If you only had two things to ask of God, what would they be? Yeah. And I think yeah. as I've thought about it, I would probably think of a long list of things I would ask before these. Yeah. But in essence, this is what should be driving all of it. God, I want yeah. to be step in step with your word and I don't want to move. I want you to provide yeah. And move me. For sure. A second question we want people to reflect on is, uh, we, we actually want them to reflect on the statement, do not go beyond what is written. Mm -hmm. How do we tend to do this? Yeah. That's the question. We tend to look at um, what scripture says and then we start adding our thinking or saying, well, if it says this, then maybe I can go up here and, and believe that. So reflect on that statement, don't go beyond what is written. I would say to that, yeah. as, as you have discussions in your home, don't let this be an opportunity to be critical of others interpret scripture for their point. Yeah. Because then we're just continuing the battle. Just identify yeah. how we can tend to use the Bible for our own agenda and maybe talk about how can yeah. we prevent that. Keep it to yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's super hard. Agar would agree. Uh, and then the third one is, how have your circumstances impacted your faith? Mm -hmm. So our circumstances that are going on right now are impacting. And I, I wish that it, every week we weren't unpacking some level of this. But each week, another governmental statement, another uh, worldwide influence, another thing has happened, and we're watching people get deflated. Um, how are your circumstances impacting your faith, and what would you have God do yeah. about it? So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, appreciate uh, you, Pastor Justin, and your thoughts. It's been a great study again. Um, but let's pray, and uh, pray for our church as they now get ready to discuss this. Yeah. God, thank you so much uh, this morning for directing our attention back to your word. God, thank you for it being a trustworthy source, God, that we can go, and as it says here in Proverbs 30, it is pure, we can trust it, God. God, we are, like Agar, we, we have tried to figure things out on our own, and we've come to realize that we don't have the smarts, the intellect to be able to do that, but you do, God. And so we ask that you would help us, Lord, to listen to your word and to follow it. And that, God, we would not add to it or take away from it, that we let it be the sole authority of our lives. And, and as we move forward, God, that we would not strive after things that would bring us peace or contentment, but that, God, we would ask you and lean on you to meet our needs. God, this is our prayer for our church. And we just pray now for these groups and families and individuals as they begin to discuss this, that you would use your word to encourage their hearts and give them direction. We pray this in your son's name.